0: Good morning. Ah, community church. I miss you. I love you and I'm praying for you. I can't wait to be able to see you all again in person, but I am grateful for this opportunity to be able to look at God's word together with you this morning. So let's dive straight in in Mark chapter 11 and verses 12 to 25. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, And does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen. It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, There's quite a bit in this passage about the importance and the power of prayer. But the part I want us to really focus on is this poor fig tree. Jesus is hungry, and so he wants fruit. And so he places an expectation upon the fig tree. He expects the fig tree to produce figs. And when it doesn't, he curses it. Harsh. We might have expected cute and cuddly Jesus, to be a bit more sympathetic and understanding. Maybe that fig tree had been having a hard time of it. And what is more, Mark tells us it wasn't even the right season for figs. But Jesus is indignant, and as we've seen throughout that passage, he's not that cute and cuddly either. You're a fruit tree. I expected fruit. Because it seems something much more profound is really being communicated here. What's the point of a fig tree without figs? What's the point of a fruitless vine? You see, Jesus places an expectation on us as his church that we will be fruitful. God's people, Israel, are repeatedly described in the Old Testament as his vineyard or a planting of the Lord. And it's clear that they are called to be fruitful. So any lack of fruit is a serious problem. And it's one of the strong prophetic themes in Scripture. As God's people descend into more and more unfaithfulness and rebellion, God promises to restore us to himself that we might be the fruitful people that he always intended. And this lies at the heart of the gospel. Jesus comes to us to rescue us from the shame of our fruitlessness. So in John Chapter 15 and verses 1 to 8, we read this. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Again, as much as we know that Jesus is compassionate and gracious and loving and accepting, and he is, we are struck by just how much he places a demand on us to be fruitful. Jesus really does care that we are fruitful, and we should care too. Now, what exactly are we talking about when we talk about us as Christians in 21st century West Yorkshire being fruitful? Jesus says that bearing fruit is how we show ourselves to be his disciples. It's supposed to really, really matter to us that everyone around us can tell that we are followers of Jesus even if we feel our circumstances are not the most conducive right now, even if we're going through really difficult times, we can't make up excuses and plead that it's just not the right season. People are supposed to be able to see the life of Jesus on display in our lives. So, for example, with the issue of racial justice, Can people tell that we are passionately committed to justice and equality? Can they see that we are willing to listen to uncomfortable truths? Can they see that we're determined to be part of real and lasting change within our own community as well as in our society? Or to take another example, can people see our commitment to love one another and share our lives with one another? Jesus said that the world would know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. When people look at me, can they see that I really, really love my Christian brothers and sisters and that I'm deeply committed to laying my life down in service for them? Or what about holiness? Can people tell from the way that I live my life that I'm deeply committed to living the kind of pure and holy life that Jesus lived? Or we could talk about healing. Can people see that I'm a follower of Jesus when I move in the same compassion and love and power and authority that he did to pray for the sick and to see them recover? And when they can't see those things, whenever whenever any aspect of Jesus' life is missing from our lives, that's supposed to be a really big deal to us. We should not tolerate or settle for a lack of fruitfulness in our own lives or in the church. Now, of course, I'm not talking about being harsh or judgmental or superior towards others, for that in itself would be a lack of fruit. I'm not talking about walking in shame or condemnation. That is not what God wants for you. But how much does it matter to you that you are bearing fruit as a disciple of Jesus? And how much does it matter to you whether your brothers and sisters in your church family around you are bearing fruit? How much does it matter to us whether people in Huddersfield and the surrounding area are getting to see that fruit and taste that fruit? Because, of course, the harvest of our fruitfulness looks like people coming to Christ and being added to the church. And if that's not happening, it's supposed to really matter. So what I believe God wants to stir in us today is a passion and a commitment to fruitfulness. A passion and commitment that drives us to prayer into action. That causes us to grapple with questions about how we can more effectively pursue true discipleship of Jesus as individuals and as a community. And obviously leaders have a role to play in this and we, we must be praying for them as they constantly seek to help the church to pursue more effective discipleship. But this is for all of us. Would you pray that God would help you to renew your commitment to fruitfulness and to discipleship in your life? Would you ask the Holy Spirit what areas of your life that he might particularly want to highlight where you could be more fruitful? Would you actively think and pray about how you can increase your commitment to fruitful discipleship as part of the church community? Because... The thing that strikes me about Jesus' analogy in John 15 is that the branches have to remain in the vine in order to produce fruit. None of us are called to be fruitful alone. We need to own a commitment to be disciples and to make disciples. It needs to matter to you whether I am fruitful and it needs to matter to me whether you are. And this will lead us to pray for one another To submit to one another, to encourage one another, and even to provoke and admonish one another. And this will have to be intentional. Authentic discipleship, where believers share their lives and commit to following Jesus wholeheartedly together. The kind of discipleship we find in the book of Acts is so easily crowded out by the busyness of life with all its stresses and strains. But it is the only way for us to be fruitful in our mission, and a lack of fruit must not be an option. Let's be determined to be fruitful together as God's people, that we might join with Paul in his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you and may we all be fruitful in our following of Jesus.